0: Hey guys, welcome to Calvary HSM. We are a place where we want to make disciples who live and love like Jesus. So we hope you enjoy this podcast. All right. Well, welcome to HSM at the 5 p.m. service. I'll let you guys grab your seats. And as you do, uh, after meeting for the first time, my name is Aaron Kajumba. I serve here as a high school pastor. Um, And we exist as HSM to make disciples who live and love like Jesus. I'll let you guys grab your seats, some water, whatever you need to do right now. But as we do so, I'm going to invite you guys to recognize one thing, right? And the one thing is this. Summer is over. I know. Boo. Uh, Summer is over. But that doesn't mean what God's been doing in your life is done. I think for our group specifically, we've had an amazing camp. Shout out if you went to camp. Amazing time, um, coming out of camp, 80 people signed up to be baptized, 43 were baptized, some more were baptized at the beach, this, uh, actually a few minutes ago at the playa in Oxnard, which is dope, um, and then uh, many of you guys made first-time decision to live and love like Jesus, come on, that's amazing, right? Uh, we never grow shy or tired of salvation, because it's nothing short of a miracle. Uh, if we're here for the first time, and you're trying to figure out what this community is, well, Welcome. Well, we gather here uh, every Sunday, uh, unless otherwise, to uh, make disciples, read the word of God, worship, seeing his word, uh, so we can know what it means to be believers and to know what it means to trust Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And that's what happens here, week in, week out. And today, as we jump into this series, we're talking about how we are not stopping. The series is called Don't Stop. Coming out of all this hype, like we said, camp, or even an amazing summer, Summer nights was a blast. People came to the Lord at summer nights. People met Jesus at summer nights. Made a decision to love him at summer nights. Uh, coming out of even our break for smog. You know, some smog was hung out, grabbed breakfast, did all this stuff. Like there's a lot of momentum that's happening. And I feel for some of us, there's this temptation to just crash. Like when we said summer's done, you're like, oh, like forget it. Like it's done. But the reality is life continues to go on and God's Providence, God's hand, God's favor, God's gifts keep going on. And in this series called Don't Stop, we'll be focusing on the things that we believe that will help you continue in your walk with Jesus. And today we're talking about how we are not going to stop coming to church. Look at your neighbor and say, Don't stop coming to church. Don't stop coming to church. And today as we jump into our our, our teaching, we're going to talk about eight reasons, eight reasons why we believe as believers, as people who are following Jesus, who are trusting in his name, why we should not stop coming to church. Can I praise that, okay? Cool. Lord, thank you for uh, this evening. We're grateful that we can gather here in your presence, with your people. To talk about your word freely, Lord, and that we have the confidence that you hear us when we pray, that you are in this room here and now, close to the next breath, Lord. You are Emmanuel, God, with us. And Lord, I ask that as we spend time talking about what it means to be the church, the people of God, that you bless this time, open hearts to hear your voice, or God, incline our, our, our hearts to trust you even more, and just bless this time. And our gospel people like said, Amen, amen, amen. Now, when I say don't stop going to church, some of you immediately think about the four walls of this building, right? You you think of this space as the church. And for some people, you're like, this is a church? Oh, my gosh. Like when people come for FNL to this spot where we have easily 2,000 students in this piece, in this place, in this mug, filling up every single, single spot, you're like, wait, this is a church? Because it doesn't look like a church. To most people, this place would look like some kind of industrial building at most, right? And so what I want to propose to you is that the building does not represent the church, right? The building does not represent the church. You represent the church. And so when I say don't stop coming to church, I'm talking about how we are to be a people who don't stop communicating, gathering as the people of God with the one purpose, learning how to live and love like Jesus, And for some of you, when you hear the word don'ts or you hear even the word instruction, you feel like I'm telling you something like no, like I'm restricting you, like I'm telling you, like, like, like it's holding you back from some goodness in life. But the reality is this, that every single one of God's instructions are for our joy. They're for our joy. And so when I say, hey, don't stop coming to church. Guess what? It's because God is fighting for your joy in Him, and He's inviting you into this process of trusting Him. And we're going to go through eight reasons why we have to be a people who come to church and to keep on doing just that. If you did it through the summer, praise God. Let's keep doing it. If you've never done it before, this is your time to begin a new habit of joining the people of God in this place. Now, the first point will be this. That Jesus himself, Jesus, the God man, the one who died for our sins, the one who beat hell and the grave, who rose up, right, in glorious splendor, who sits on the right hand of the Father in heaven, he assumes, he expects that we will be a people who gather together as the people of God. Let's see this in Revelation 1:10 through 11. He speaks to these people. He says this, that it was on the Lord's day. This is John speaking. He says, and I was worshiping in the Spirit's and suddenly I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet blast. And it said, write in the book everything you see and send it to the seven churches in the cities of Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. Jesus in the end times is writing, is speaking to these churches. And ultimately, he expects them that they'll be together. It's like, duh, they'll be together. Duh, they'll be hanging out. Duh, this is what he expects the people of God to do. And so the first reason why we should be a people who go to church is because Jesus, the one who died for your sins, assumes and expects you to do just that. He expects you to be a people who come together, see each other, know each other, be known by one another. And in this context, he goes on the Lord's Day. Now, for some of you guys, you might gather on a Tuesday or a Wednesday for small groups. Big win, right? That's amazing. Joining on a Sunday, the point is keep coming, keep being together. And as I jump into this, I know a few of you in this room uh, might have some trepidation, some fears, some pains with coming to church. And for some of you, the idea of coming to church is a painful one. Why? Because you've been hurt by church people. Your heart has been broken. The Bible says the hope deferred makes the heart weak. You've had your hope deferred. And that makes sense. And I want to tell you right now in this room, if you've been hurt by people in church, whether it's a pastor, whether it be another student, whether it be a person on the worship team, whether it's here or another church, I'm going to tell you this right now. I'm sorry, right? I'm going to take that on for whoever that was. I apologize for that. And I'm sure these people didn't mean to hurt you. And if they did, man, God is just. He sees you. He knows you. He understands you. But that shouldn't be a reason why you should stop coming. Because if the king of heaven says you should be about being in this space, guess what? We should be about it. We should be about it. And there are people, there's processes for people who have been broken from that fellowship that the Lord has instituted in the body of the church to bring reconciliation. Because ultimately, this is the plan. The reason why Jesus came down to the earth, why he died, why this king expects you to be together is because he wants you to be brought back to him in all things. He's what the Bible calls reconciling. He's bringing things all back to how they're supposed to be in the beginning. You know, you've heard of the, the, the book, or not the book, but the Garden of Eden, right? In the Garden of Eden, there's this imagery of how God and man are living together, and it's all groovy, baby. Like, it's great. It's amazing. People are hanging out, right? They got animals. They got food. They're, 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 they're walking in the evenings with God, That's crazy. In my mind, I'm like, what? You're walking with God just hanging out like you're about to go play pickleball or something? Like you're just, you're homies, right? And that's the image that he's trying to bring back. And so he wants to use this church to be an image of that space where all people from all tribes and all nations, look around this room real quick. You have people from every tribe, every tongue, every nation in this room who are here together because in heaven, that's the imagery that all people are reconciled back To himself, And so if you've been hurt, trust that in this place, this is where God wants you to be reconciled back to himself. Two, the second reason is this. The early believers themselves, the first Christians, right? Fresh Christians, fresh out the bag, right? These people decided to live together and to walk together. Let's see what they did specifically. The book of Acts, Acts 2.42 says this. That all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Let's pause right there. People who named Jesus as Lord and Savior, if you've not done that, I want to invite you into this opportunity. What it means to invite Jesus into your heart is not just to see that this man's going to shrink and get into your heart and like hang out in your blood vessels. That's really weird. It's not that at all. What it means is you're saying that, God, you have full control of my life. These people who said, Jesus, I trust you with my life. They decided that it was healthy, it was beneficial, it was glorious for them to get together. And they devoted themselves, first of all, to the apostles' teaching. That means that when you come to this gathering, whether you meet in a small group, whether you meet with a one-on-one with the leader, right? I think it's an amazing thing that our leaders are willing to give their time because many of the people in this room work nine to five jobs. They go to school, right? Right? They gotta secure the bag to pay rent. You guys gotta secure the bag to buy Takis, right? It's different, right? Levels, priorities here, right? But they, they're taking time to meet with you, right? So come ready with, with questions. Come ready, with, with ready to receive knowledge. Like if, you, if you're going out to meet someone who you potentially wanna be socially interested in, let's say it that way, right? You have a conversation with a guy or a girl, right? At the end of that conversation, what are you trying to leave with? What? Digits. Digits, baby. That's right, like you need to get the number, right? You need to, you, you, you get, and so you whip about your phone, you whip about your notepad, your, your computer, whatever, your typewriter, whatever it is, right? Because you guys, in those moments, you're like, write your number on my arm, please. Like you write it anywhere, like you make it happen, right? Because you feel that it is worthy, it is worth it, it is important. Now I want to challenge you, how much more important is the time you spend learning about the God of the universe who wants to know you and be known by you? And so when you come to this place in the church, this God expects us to come to a place like these early believers and to pay attention to the apostles' teaching. What else did they do? It says this, they also devoted themselves to fellowship and to sharing in meals. I kid you not, my favorite time of the summer is, is literally the after, not after after parties, back up. It's gonna be summer nights. You know why? Because we get together and we like roast each other. Like there's a bunch of like smack talk around like the nine square, it's amazing, right? Right now I have an ongoing game and a feud with, with Sophia Hartman and I'm winning. I don't know what's happening here, but praise for your sister. Just kidding. <laughs> hey, praise God. Hey, God is good. Uh, but like it's, it's amazing. We get to hang out with one another. We're in fellowship with one another, right? We enjoy time with one another and... We get to eat, right? We get to eat. Like, this is a classic thing. You know, the typical thing where we talk about how, like, when people go to churches, there's, like, donuts after service. We got the donuts. There you go. Like, there's all these opportunities for you to get together and eat and hang out. And so these people enjoyed not only having the teaching of the the apostles, but also spend time with one another. And I think the more time you spend with one another, people who are like God, who are living like God, the more you begin to have the heart of God. Right? You develop the heart of God. We say it this way the life change happens in relationship. And I believe that if you do spend time like these people, you have your life change. It says they also not shared meals, but also in the Lord's Supper. And here's a key thing here that for everyone in this room, your life has been bought by a price. And that price was the blood of Jesus, it was his very life. When we say that God gave all of who he was, the best gift that God could give ever, for a God who owns everything, who needs nothing, what could he give? That's 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 the highest praise, the best thing? Himself. And so he does that in Jesus. And so what he, we, we do when we remember this word communion, we take this cup which we will have juice or some red, like kind of a like liquid or whatever, or, or a piece of bread or a cracker. Every time we take this communion, the Bible instructs us to remember what Christ did for us on the cross. Every time we get together, we remember that this God has given us a great and powerful salvation. This is nothing simple. And so every time we get together, remember that it's all about Jesus. We could have smoke, we could have music, we could have FNL. But ultimately, the purpose of all these things, all these parties, all this time together, is to focus our hearts on Jesus. Focus our hearts on the one who saved us. The third reason is this: our God in heaven, the God who sits in the heavens and does what he pleases, he expects us to meet. He commands us to meet. In fact, he says it in this way in Hebrews 10:25. He says, Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do but instead encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. He goes, the purpose of you coming together is encouragement. Now, no one comes to church expecting to get a beat down. Anyone? You expect to get cussed out at church? Hope not, right? You expect to get yelled at sometimes. I mean, here I am, right? But you expect to be encouraged. And so what God says is for you, who maybe you're spending this time alone, away from the people of God, uh, away from uh, encouragement, encouraging words. He says, come to a place that is healthy, that is whole, where you can be encouraged to walk in the light, to walk in what God has called you to. Some of your relationships out of this context are not very positive. And I would dare say they are very, very negative. They're pulling you down. I want you to evaluate your summer, Right? and you think about all the moments you've had with people and friends at an In-N-Out or a Chick-fil-A or a Khalil coffee not sponsored, like all these different things. In these places, what have your conversations been about? Have they been uplifting? Have they been with the people of God? If these people are not walking in the light, then draw them to the light. Call them to who God has called them to be. Let them remember that God has called them to be a people who encourage one another and walk in the light. Our God expects us to draw near and to do that one thing, encourage one another. And he says this in the the back end of that verse, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. That could be interpreted two ways. First way, God's coming back and you need to be ready. All right? So I usually say if you stay ready, you ain't got to get ready, right? If you're ready all the time, it's good. You're ready. It's good to go, right? But alternatively, It could mean this, right? That this God is is actually like really close with us and his time of coming back should be held in reverence, in honor. See, if you're living in fear of God coming back, that's, that's not a healthy place to be. The Bible says, perfect love casts out all fear. Some of you, coming to church is a place of fear because you believe that God is a judgmental God. He's out for you. He doesn't care about you. He is distant. Why is all this thing happening to me, Lord? And you're so far away, and yet he goes, no, I am near to the brokenhearted. I bind up their wounds. The Bible says that his name is a strong tower that you can run into, and you can be safe. Church is not that. Church is a place where God wants to meet with you and to heal you and to make you whole. I've heard it said that the church itself is not supposed to be like a, a place for you to come out and like, get like fast food stuff. Like, I got, my, I got my prayer, I'm good for the week. Some of you guys, you treat it that way. You're like, the prayer wall? 100%, it's just a just quick thing you run through. Or you come up, you, you dab up Drew, you get your fill of wisdom, then you dip, right? It's not supposed to be like that. He wants us to dwell in the presence of the God. That means to be saturated, right? To be filled with all of who He is. When you guys go to a concert, I think ultimately what you would do is you would prepare for that concert, right? You would listen to the artist's songs, right? You try to, at least, please, please try to listen to the artist's songs before you go, right? Like, I'm not a Taylor Swift fan. Boo, whatever. Uh, but if I was invited to. Oh, what, $1,000 ticket concert, right? Something like that. I would at least try to listen to the songs. Do I know one song? Let's not go there. The point is, I would prepare for it, right? So that I could be saturated, involved in it. So when I get there, I'm fully ready to engage in that. I would say that this God wants you to be saturated in all of who he is, Prepare your minds as you come to this place to be focused on Him. Why? Because this God is drawing near to you. For this God wants us to be a people who are equipped. We come to church to be equipped, to get ready, to be prepared. I've said this many times that Sunday's garage time, church starts on Monday. The reason why you come on Sunday is to get ready, to be equipped, to get ready for the week. Because for some of you, your week, as you look at school starting on the 16th or the 20th or tomorrow, depending on where you're going to school, you're like, man, how do I get ready for this week emotionally? And ultimately, the way you do that is by being amongst the people of God who trust God at his word, who can give you advice on how to walk in the light and how to walk and respond when people make fun of you, when people uh, will, will, will call you all kinds of names or when someone just basically Makes you a little angry and ruffles your feathers a little bit. Because for some of you, your first response is to do what? To scrap. I don't wanna scrap. This is just me, right? This is where I'm sorry. This is where I am, right? This is where I, I, I be. But being amongst the people of God has taught me to grow in patience, to grow in understanding, to grow. Can I tell you honestly? My first, first time doing student ministry was with students in elementary school like they're elementary school students. And it's in Ventura, we did this program called City Kids, we'd roll out a bread truck, cut out the side, and we had a stage that would drop out, and we'd do Sunday school on Tuesdays, and then visit families on Thursdays. And I had no patience for children. None, you laugh, but it's real. I had none whatsoever, but here I am now, in a context where God gave me the heart of a father. How would that have happened if I had not been amongst the people of God? where this person whose first response would be pride and self-indulgence now turns to be one of giving to other people. God expects you to meet in this place to be encouraged so you can walk like him, so you can be equipped like him. And for some of you in this room, your gifts, your identity and who God has made you to be is being figured out in this space. For some of you, the first time that you've ever been able to use your gifts of music is in this context. For some of you, the opportunity to be hospitable happens in this context. Let me give you some list of gifts that you guys can pick out where you guys are. Ephesians 4, 11 through 12 says, Now these are the gifts Christ, God, gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. Now let's back up. The first one was this, the apostles. The apostles are people who are modern-day missionaries. The role of the apostle would be this, like the apostle Paul. They will go out. Find a spot, meet people, preach the gospel to them, build up a church, make sure there's elders and worship people and all the good stuff, and then go to another spot. Which is why I think for many of us, we find our identity and who we are in Christ, maybe not even as apostles, but when you go on a mission trip. How many of you guys have been to the DR recently for the summer? Nice, nice, nice. How many of you guys went to Uganda? Praise God, right? Like these are all opportunities for you to go and figure out, God, where is my gifting? Is it to be an apostle? to be that kind of a person? Two, the other one was this, to be a prophet, one who speaks on behalf of God, who hears from God and speaks prophetically. And I've argued this fact that if you're a person who reads the word of God and speaks the word of God, you're working in the spirit of prophecy. So if you're able to hold on to this word and trust it as it says, who God says he is, and speak that out with confidence, right? With unwavering confidence in God, then you're walking in that gift of a prophet. Then you have people who have the gift of evangelism. Now, these are people, the homies in the room who are that guy or that girl. They're those people, you all have those friends that you will drop in the middle of a random party in a random place, random spot, random restaurant, and they're all hanging and talking to the grandmas and like, What's going on? How are you doing, honey? Like, Where did you meet me? You guys have known each other for a long time, or what happened, right? These people could sell ice to Eskimos. There are people who have that kind of like care and love and ability to meet with other people. Some of you guys will cultivate that gift in this context. Now imagine if you were cultivating that gift in a place that was unhealthy, right? You might become, I don't know, a pyramid schemer. Let's not do that. Not a win. Not a win. Instead, use your gifts to try to bring people to Jesus where you talk about how it means to Live a life of patience and mercy and self-control. And some of you have the gifts of being pastors. Now, I'm not saying the office of a pastor, but you have a shepherd's heart. That means you're the person that people can call at 12 midnight. Yo, Cameron, what's going on? Can we talk? And you're like, I'm there. and I got you. What's going on, boo-boo? And you just like talk forever, right? You just have that that kind kind of a conversation, right? Or like you're the kind of person that they can always count on. Like, that person you need who, like, you're out in the middle of, like, like the, I want to say the 101, the 405. That's, like, a demonic place where they, like, the traffic, like, you know? You get what I'm talking about right there? Like, yeah, anyway. The point is, you're out there. Your car breaks down, right? AAA says there'll be the three hours, but, you know, the homie could be here, like, in an hour. And you're like, Clara, where you at, girl? Help me. And, like, she just rolls up in a little car, you know, with, like, no gas, but then all of a sudden she has supernatural gas to get there. Anyway, like. They're always willing to do that for you. They'll sit with you for hours. Many of our leaders are operating in pastors' hearts. How many times have you been been in an opportunity where you sit down with someone and you need someone even just to listen? Not to give you an answer, not to have a solution, but they're operating in in the place of a pastor where they're just being present, right? And for some of us, we discover what that means in the context of this space. And the purpose of all these things is this. For some of us, we're teachers, right? We make clear the scriptures. The purpose is this. It says their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. We say it this way, that saved people serve people. That's what we mean by that, that you individually, a Grayson or gray, gray, have all kinds of different gifts. Everyone in this room, right? has different gifts, and all of your parts, all of who you are, is important to bring people to the kingdom, to let people feel love and know the love of Jesus. Five, God wants you to use your gifts to bless others. This is not a space where you begin to be spiritually overweight, just sucking in all the information and all the worship and like, I love, like you have a worship high, literally. For some of you, that's a thing, where you just jump from one church to the next church to the next church, because you love worship here, you love the guitar player over here, like this person speaks like this and you just like, keep like connoisseuring like everywhere. It doesn't work that way, right? And I'm not saying you can't go and, and, and have fellowship in other churches. What I'm saying is this, that your heart should be one to give to other people, not just to receive. Does that make sense, right? That when you're going, go with the intentionality of saying, I'm gonna look for one person in high school ministry. You're new. How can I make you feel welcome? Like, that's a question. Because many of us have been in that awkward position where you're here for the first time and you know no one. It's wild, right? And praise God for those who've come for the first time who've not known anyone in the room. And you boldly said, no, I got to go to church. I got to be in the house of the Lord. I got to figure this out. Some of you are here because someone invited you to church. That's wild. And so you're here in this space. And so the question is, what will you do when you get here? Will you just receive or will you allow God to use your your gift of presence to present the God of the universe to other people? Ephesians 4.16 tells us this, that he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing full of love. Every single person in this room is not in a space where they are less than or insignificant. None of you is insignificant. Look at your neighbor and say, you are not insignificant. Look to the right and say, you are not insignificant. All right, here's the banger. You guys ready? I want you guys to speak this to one another. Say, you were made on purpose for a purpose. You were made on purpose, for a purpose. Imagine if you didn't have, let's use a simple example. If you didn't have, and I don't care how you think about your dogs or whatever, if you didn't have your big left toe. I know. That's right, bark, big dog. I hear you. Like, if you didn't have your big left toe, like, that would mess up your, your, your balance. It would mess up your balance. Imagine if if you had one thing wrong in your body, you guys ever stepped on a Lego? Like it's like, whoa, God take me now. Like, I don't know why, right? And yet it's only one part of your body that's feeling that pain. The reality is this: there's no insignificant part of the body, and every every single one of you has an active role to play. It says this in that scripture: that as each part does its own special work. There's stuff that you do that I will never be able to do. And that's a bar, and I'm okay with that. And I'm not jealous about that. I celebrate that I'm not Sean Nichols. I celebrate that I'm not Joey DeAndre. DeAndre, hey. Like, I, I did it guys, thank you. Like, like, the reality is like, I'm not any one of you guys. And that's a blessing. Because each of you have a unique group of people, a unique set of skills that you're able to, like, use. I know, I'm sorry. I just had to do it. I know. Uh, To bless other people. And that, itself, is a blessing. God wants to do that. And he says it this way. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. You know the real mark of a healthy church? Now, do I believe that healthy things grow? Yes, I believe it. But I believe that it's not just the growth in numbers. I was at a concert recently and what happened was he had this amazing um, artist roll up and one of the organizers said, if you want to get 50 bucks, come up to the front and the most hyped person will get 50 bucks. How many people do you think rolled up to the front? A ton. And it's 50 bucks. I need 50 bucks, but gosh. Everyone rolls up to the front for 50 bucks. Now. If we were to argue back and forth, do you think the authenticity of their response was real? Do you think? Or do you think they were just doing it because they wanted to get 50 bucks? Now, imagine there's no 50 bucks the next time. Would you be as hyped for that same artist? No, in the back of your mind, you will be like, oh, you know what, I came to HSM because they were giving out PS5s or 12s, whatever's coming out next week, right? Or the iPhone, what are we on now? Someone, please chat gpt-20 whatever it is like all these things right like if it was motivated by stuff like that then guess what that's that's all you get and that's it the reward is just that but what god has called us to is to be a people who see growth not because of the things that happen now is there joy in the beloved heck yeah I'm so happy when I see you guys. I love hearing your stories about your school and your exes and like, I know, it's a weird, I know, things that happen here, right? Uh, Or like how you're trying to live in love like Jesus and you're failing, but you're working through it. You're trusting God to overcome your porn addiction. Or you know why you're working hard to have a new relationship with your dad or your mom. Like it's difficult, but you're working through it. That stuff gives me joy. But ultimately, the mark and the health of a church is when they are in a space where they are full of love. Again, it says this, so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. When you can recognize the differences in this room and be okay with that, and be like, turn up king, I love that, like, good for you. Like, I, that, that's a great thing. That's awesome that you're going to get into that school. I'm happy that you're starting your own business and you're in high school. What, like can you wash my car? Like you have all these things where you're celebrating one another because you're growing in love. This is what I define love as. Love is when you seek someone's highest good even at your own expense. When you're at that place where it costs you something to give to someone, to be present and push that awkward moment of like hey, this kid doesn't know me but I'm gonna be friendly anyway and just love them. That's how you know you're mature and walking in the light and walking like Jesus. Six, we come to be refreshed. We come to be refreshed. Let's see real quick in this room. Take one deep breath. One, two, three, go. Let it out. That's some free AC. Well, it's not free, but you know what I'm trying to say. Like it's it's a fresh, it's a refreshing thing to be in this space. Why? Because people here are doing their best to image Jesus, to reflect Jesus. And Jesus himself, he said that you're to be a people who bear one another's burdens. In Galatians, it says this, that that if we take an effort, make an effort to bear each other's burdens, we fulfill the law of love. We fulfill the law of love when we bear each other's burdens. When you can come to a space like a small group and you can be as ratchet as heck. I'm just being real. Some of you guys' small groups, I visited, I was like, whoa, all right, we doing that? All right, cool. That's awesome. Like, it's, 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 and there's no judgment, right? There's no judgment. You can be real and be honest and be yourself. Like, can you imagine a space? Because right now, some of you guys are faking the funk. You're like, this guy's here. I want to make sure I look good. So let me not worship too hard because the sweat will be on my face. Like, forget that. Like, where you can be selflessly abandoned to God, free to be yourself, right? In this space whether it's on a Sunday or a small group or a camp, like one of the most powerful moments for people who went to camp was where they were having not even just confession, night, even nights before confession night, where they just being honest with each other about God, their relationships. Like that's a powerful thing to do where you can be authentically yourself. And it's refreshing because God, his love and the love of his people cover all those things. It's a blessing to be in the house of the beloved. Now, As we're being refreshed, we're also being prepared to endure. Because like I said, Sunday's garage time, but church starts on Monday. And so when you come here on a Sunday, or a Thursday, if you're in YA, for those who are leaders in the room, or a small group, the reason why you come is to be prepared for the week, or days, or months, whatever is ahead of you. Because once you step out of this place of peace, you're going out into a place of war. And let me not kid you, okay? Look up, eyes on me. The reality is you're in a war for your soul. You're in a war for your soul. And sometimes that persecution will come from your own mind where words of negativity that sometimes are yours, sometimes from the enemy, will try to speak to you down and tear you down. And so you come here on a Sunday to hold on to the word of God, to learn how to wield the sword of the word of God. I say it this way, stay strapped fam, stay strapped. Have the word of God hidden in your heart. The Bible says in Psalms 119 that I hid the word of God in my heart so not sin against God. That I hid this word. Job, in the book of Job, it says he desired God's word more than necessary food. And I like to eat, guys. But more than eating, I love to have the word of God. I literally had a dream when I was about... Uh, 15 or 16, right, jumping into a high school in Uganda. And uh, this dream I had was of me in this room uh, on a, I'm, I'd never been to this high school before, but i dreamt of this high school. And I was in this room, and I was in this room sitting at a table, turning the pages of my King James Version Bible, praise God for King James Version. I was turning them over, right, my parents bought me this Bible, it was pretty cool. Uh, and I was ripping out the pages of the Bible, <gasps> Some people are like, what did you do? Anyway, I ripped out the pages of the Bible, and I crumpled them up, and I ate them. Like, that was happening in my dream, right? And as I ate these words, right, these pages from the Bible in my dream, in my dream, guys, I know, relax. Not in real time, right? I guess it would be tasty, but whatever. Anyway, I was eating these pages. Like, I remember that that it was salty, and it was delicious. Like, it was just a delicious thing for me to eat and to take in, and personally, in my lifetime, that's where in that room in high school where I began to read the Bible more seriously. Now, when I woke up, woke up from my dream, the reason why um, the pages were salty is because I was licking my hand. But anyway, <laughs> let's not get into that. But hey, whatever. Wait, the dogs didn't freak you out, but that did? Anyway, the point is this, right? That, that having this word of God inside of you will refresh you, will keep you ready, will encourage you. We prepare you for the next days. And I kid you not, that time for me reading in that room, reading the Bible, and specifically reading the Old Testament. Like, I love the New Testament. And for many of us, like, our, our, our goal is, like, I'm going to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then Acts. Okay, let's figure that out. And maybe Romans or something else, right? But I, I grew up, like, in that room reading the Old Testament, reading all these stories of how God loved the people of Israel and loved us and fought for his people. Like he showed up in a pillar of fire. Guys, like can you imagine the drama that you, you see? Like some of this was just dramatic for me. We're like, Samson? Samson, what a scandalous man. Like what the heck, dude? Like he, he, he rejects God's promises and his, his, what God wanted for him, just so he could be with this lady. And then she cuts off his hair and steals his strength. This is classic. This is like soap opera stuff. It's amazing, right? So some of my, my inclination was, yes, there was a sense of like, oh, the drama is crazy. But as I spent time learning about God, I was like, wait, God's instruction is for my joy. That's where I can stand on that now. Because I see that in the word of God. If you read the word of God, you'll be refreshed. You'll be equipped for what God has for you in the days and years to come. The next one is this. Verse, uh, rather, number eight, the last one. We come to church because you are not meant to do life alone. If you missed number seven, it was we learn how to endure persecution, but eight is this you are not meant to do life alone. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. And as they do, the point of all of our gatherings, the point of all of our summer nights, of our after parties, which is not one tonight, I know, it's just a sad thing. The point of all our F the point of our mission trips is this, that God wants us to be a people who learn how to live and love like Jesus. That's why we do it. And we do it not alone, but in community with one another, with people who encourage one another. Now, let's do this real quick. Look to the person to your left. Look him deep in the eye. Not past their ear, not at their forehead. That's an awkward thing people do. Guys, hey, hey, let me give you some, some game right now, right? I know we finished this dating series called Dating, Kissing, Sex, and Stuff, but look at people in the eyes, right? Be about it. Okay, now, look at people in the eyes. Putting you on. Don't say the pastor never put you on. Look at someone in the eyes and say, I am meant to love you. All right, look to your left, look to your left. Right in the eyes, not at the forehead, not on their ear, right? Hey, bro, hey, look at me, you and me. I am meant to love you. That's our purpose. That's our purpose. And we don't want to do it alone. God wants us to do it together. I've heard of this quote. It says this, that anything worth having takes time. And for some of us, that's... It's been a hard time trying to fit in or to find people. But let me encourage you to do this. Keep trying. Keep leaning in. There's people here who want to see you, to be known by you, and to know you. Ultimately, the God of the universe wants to do just that. And so I'd encourage you, keep coming to church. Keep being in a context where you're able to learn and to love, to be with the people of God. And I have some practical steps for you, right, that are going to be on, on our last screen. The practical steps are this, if you're trying to grow in your relationship with people, Drew talked about it, Janae talked about it, join a small group, like be about it. For some of us, it took our last year, like literally our last year of high school ministry, not to join a small group, but to be real in a small group. Dang, imagine the three years you wasted where you could have been honest and had friends and, been, and had safety. Praise God for what God's doing now because there's no waste of time in God. But I would say sign up, join a small group, learn to be authentic and real and known by the people of God and by God Himself. The second one is this find a place to help others. Like I said, save people, serve people. We just had a video talking about Beach Day. And Beach Day, easily for many people, like that mom said, was the best day of her life. Why? Because her daughter was seen and loved. And you can do that, giving the gift of your presence. You can serve next door in special abilities. You can serve in EC. There's multiple places you could serve. But do sign up to help, to do something. The third one is this. Look for someone that you can mentor. Now, you might be like, what? That, what does that mean for me? I'm a kid. Yes, you are a kid. But the Bible says this. Like, Remember I told you about being strapped and reading the word of God? Paul talking to Timothy says this. Don't let anyone despise you because of your youth. You have wisdom. There's things you've learned, that you've grown on, that you've caught in context of being amongst the people of God. Spend time with one another. Intentional time with one another. Don't just hang out playing video games. That's awesome. That's great. Right? There's no no, no knock on that. But spend time with one another. The same way these adults who work 9 to 5, who spend all their time planning to meet with you after their long hours of days, driving from like one place of work to another to spend time with you. Organize times with your friends, right? And encourage each other, lift each other up and allow the presence of God to be a gift in you to those around you. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity, God, to gather today and to talk about how we are not to be a people who disobey, who Ignore the meaning of your people as some other people do. No, Lord, we choose to obey your word. We choose to gather as the people of God, to be authentic with each other and with you. We ask, Lord, that you allow for the men and women in this room to see these opportunities. And not just see them from afar and say, I'll do it next week. But no, but to grab it, to be aggressive, like we said, to be in war and fight for their lives. And say, yes, I choose to come to a place where your presence lives amongst the people of God. And I ask that as they do so, that you will meet them there and allow healing to flow. Healing for them. And as they realize who they are in you, we'll be able to bless other people. And all God's people said. Thanks so much for joining us here on the Calvary HSM podcast. We would love if you could connect with us on social media using the handle at HSM 805 on Instagram or going to our website, calvarywestlake.org slash HSM. We always have fun things going on and we want you to be a part of it.